Uh, go just verse by verse, studying the book of Matthew. I pray that you would help us. Lord, I've got notes prepared, lesson ready. So, Father, I pray that you would please, that your Holy Spirit would just uh, guide me, Lord. Help me to say the things that you would have me to say. Lord, help us to be able to learn from your word tonight. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 11. And we've been going, like I said, verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Matthew. We ended Matthew chapter 10 last week, and uh, we're starting Matthew 11. We're not going to get through the entire chapter tonight. We're going to go through the first part of Matthew chapter number 11, and we'll deal with the second part of it next week. But something I kind of want to just, it's not really part of the sermon, but I want you to see it in verse number 1 of Matthew chapter number 11. It says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And it's interesting because in chapter 10, if you remember, we we talked about the fact that Jesus kind of gathered and enlisted a group of men to help him with the ministry. And he sent them off and commissioned them to go out twelve by twelve. But you know, Jesus was not the type of leader that told people what to do and did not take part in it himself. In chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when Jesus made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, so he told them what to do, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their city. So he told them what to do, and then he did it. And by the way, that's what a great leader does. And if you want to be an effective dad, if you want to be an effective boss, if you want to be an effective any leadership position, it would be wise to not only tell people what to do, but then do it yourself. You know, how how seriously would people take Verity Baptist Church if I got up here and once a quarter or one you know, once every six months, I preached about soul winning, and then you never saw me go soul winning. But you know, there are churches where the pastors tell people to go soul winning and don't go soul winning. And there are there are places where people tell people, you know, you got to go evangelize, but they don't evangelize. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus told them, He equipped them, He instructed them, He said, do it. And then verse 1 of the next chapter, He went out thence to teach and preach in their cities. He did what He told. So like I said, that has nothing to do with the sermon, but just kind of an interesting thought. If you look at verse 2 though, we begin to talk about uh, the greatest man that ever lived other than the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is John the Baptist. And in verse number 2... It's very interesting what the Bible says here about John. It says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Now notice, John is in prison. John has been put in prison uh, for preaching against the king, for preaching against sin. You know, the the, the, the king is, is in an adulterous uh, relationship. He's in, a, he's in a relationship that he ought not be of. part of. John preached preached against it. John stood against it. So he finds himself in prison. John is in prison. And in verse 3, he asks a very interesting question. He says, Art thou he? So John sends two disciples to Jesus, and he asks this question. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now here's what John is asking. He's asking Jesus, Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one that the prophets talked about? Are you the one that has been prophesied that is supposed to come? Are you him or do we look for another? Now, here's the, now you may read that and you may think to yourself, you know, what's the big deal with asking that question? But here's the interesting thing about that, okay? Keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 11. Go to John chapter number 1. John, you're there in Matthew, so you got Mark, Luke, John. John chapter number 1. In John chapter number 1, you got to keep in mind, the, the, the Gospels are, are, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They are the story of Jesus, and, and oftentimes they overlap each other in stories. So John chapter 1 is earlier in the series of events in Matthew chapter number 11. And when Jesus had first started His ministry... 
Remember, he began his ministry by coming down, getting baptized. He was baptized by John. But in John chapter 1, verse number 29, the Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him. So Jesus is coming to John to be baptized. Now notice, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith. Notice what John said. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. It was John the Baptist who announced and pronounced that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Lamb of God, which was coming to take away the sins of the world. It was John the Baptist who initially announced that. And and if you remember, the Bible tells us that John was ministering there in Judea, and all of Judea came out to hear him preach. And John had made disciples, and John literally transferred his church over to Jesus, and said, hey, this is the man you should be following. This is the bridegroom. This is the Messiah. Follow him. Now skip down to verse number 35. He did it twice. In John chapter 1 verse 35. He says, again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, verse 36, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, notice he says it again, Behold the Lamb of God. And the reference there is to the Passover, the fact that the Lamb had to be killed once a year for the sins of the people. And they said, now here comes the Lamb of God. Here comes the, the Messiah. This goes all the way back to Genesis. And I don't have time to develop this, but But if you remember the story of Abraham, remember when Abraham was asked of God to to sacrifice Isaac, remember that story, Genesis 22? And remember, Isaac asked his father a question, he said, Dad, you know, because they were walking up and they had all these tools, they had the wood, they had had the fire, and and Isaac says, Dad, you know, I I see all the tools here to sacrifice with, but I, I don't see a lamb. And Abraham prophetically, all the way in the book of Genesis, he prophesied, he said, God will prepare, will, 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 will prepare himself a lamb. And, you know, it's easy to think that, you know, he was saying that God was going to give them a lamb. But if you study the story, God never gave them a lamb. They found a ram in the bush, which they ended up sacrificing. But a ram is different than a lamb. And Abraham was actually prophesying about the fact that God himself would become flesh and he would be that lamb of God. And that's the prophecy that John is talking about here. When John sees Jesus and says, hey, that's the lamb that Abraham was talking about. He says, the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Now, you're, you know, you You may be asking yourself, why are you talking so much about this? Here's the point. It's an interesting question that John would be asking, Art thou he who should come, or do we look for another? When John, you're the one that told us that Jesus was the man. John, you're the one that told us that Jesus was the Christ. You're the one that told us that he was the Lamb. Why are you now doubting? And you've got to understand this. From time to time... It is normal for people to get discouraged and for people to begin to doubt their faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, John the Baptist, you got to say, he's in prison. He's all alone. He's, I'm sure, scared. And, he's, and, and he says to his uncle, he said, hey, can you, go, can, can you guys go to Jesus? And I just, if, if I'm going to be in prison, if I'm going to be put to death, if I'm going to uh, give myself to, to this, to, to following this man, Jesus Christ, can you just go make sure that he is actually the one? Can you go make sure? That's what John's asking. He's discouraged, he's doubting, he's afraid. And you got to understand, it is normal for people to doubt. Especially when going through trials, tribulations, and struggles. Let me give you another example. Go to John chapter number 20. You're there in John 1. Go to John chapter number 20. 
We like to we like to make fun of Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas. But you know, we had a doubting Baptist in Matthew chapter eleven. John the Baptist was doubting the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we have one of his apostles, one of the twelve. And in John chapter number 20, if you look at verse 24, the Bible says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Remember, Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, and Thomas was not there. In verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto them, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side. Notice what he says. He says, I will not believe. Now here's the interesting thing. Do you remember when Jesus died? They put him in the tomb. The chief priests and the Pharisees said, hey, you better put a, 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 some guards around that tomb because we remember that Jesus said that he was going to rise from the grave. Here's what's interesting. The chief priests, the Pharisees, they all remembered that Jesus was going to rise from the grave. But none of his disciples remembered None of his disciples expected to see him. In fact, three days later when the ladies came back and said, Hey, the tomb, the, the stone's been rolled away. The tomb's empty. He's not there. None of them even believed it. They ran to see it and they didn't believe it. They didn't expect it. They didn't see it coming. And here, and now look, it's easy for us to beat up on, on, on Thomas and we call him Doubting Thomas and all that. But you got to understand, Thomas was one of these 12 men who for the, for the last three and a half years, three and some odd years, he's been following Jesus. He left his home, he left his family, he left his finances, he left his job, he's left everything to follow this man. And three days ago, he saw him die. And he's probably pretty discouraged. And he's probably doubting. And he says, he says, no, I won't believe. Unless I see. And you gotta understand, as you read the Bible, you 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 know what I what I love about scripture, and, and, and you know, oftentimes people say, you know, man wrote the Bible. Man would not write the Bible. Because what we find in Scripture is man failing God. And if man wrote down the story, if you wrote down the story of your life, you would leave out all the bad stuff. You would not write about the adultery with Bathsheba. You would not write about all the mistakes you made. You know, but God gives us glimpses into the lives of these people to show us that it is normal to doubt. It is normal to be discouraged. It is normal to get upset. Go to Genesis chapter 17. Let me give you another example. Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter 17. We often, again, make fun of Sarah. Remember Sarah, she laughed. And we'll look at the verse. Remember Sarah laughed when God said that he was going to give her a child. But you know, and people always, we always make fun of Sarah. She laughed, she laughed. But you know, the interesting thing and something that we don't highlight a lot is that Abraham laughed before Sarah laughed. Genesis 17, if you look at verse 17, Genesis 17, verse 17 says, And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. Did you notice that? And laughed and said in his heart. He's laughing in his heart. God just told him, I'm going to give you a son. He laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? God just told him. God, God literally just said to him, I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham in his heart laughed and says, Yeah, right, God. I don't think so, God. Shall a, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? Shall Sarah that is nine years old bear? Look at verse 18. And Abraham said unto God. Abraham goes as far to say unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. He says, God, you, you know that you're not going to be able to give me a son. God, you know that Sarah's not going to be able to have a child. God, you know that. Why don't you just accept Ishmael? And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. God says, stop doubting me, it's going to happen. 
Look at Genesis 18. Look at verse 11. Genesis 18. Abraham laughs. Abraham is the leader. Abraham is the spiritual leader of the home. Abraham doubts God. So what happens in the next chapter? Wife doubts God. And that ought to be, you know, a warning to all of us men that lead homes. What you do in moderation, your wife and your children will do in Exodus. You skip out on God. You skip out on Bible reading. You skip out on living for God. You might as well just forget about your kids living for God. Because what, what peop, followers always take into an extreme than the, further than the leader does. And here in Genesis 18.11, the Bible says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxen old, shall I have pleasure, and my Lord being old also. Now here's what makes it worse for Sarah, is that God calls her. If you keep reading the story there, God says, Sarah, why are you laughing? And she says, I wasn't laughing. So she took it further than Abraham. Because Abraham laughs, and then he's like, well, how about Ishmael, God? But he doesn't deny it, but, you know, Sarah says, I wasn't laughing, and she's lying to God when God just called her off on what she was doing. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to tell us? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Throughout the Bible, you find people who, are, who doubt God, who get discouraged, who get upset, and, and, and the same guy that says, Behold the Lamb of God, will in prison say, Are you sure you're the one, Jesus? Are you the one that we're looking for? Or is there another one? Go to Exodus chapter number 5. Exodus chapter number 5. Look at verse 22. Remember Moses? Moses was called of God to go and free the children of Israel from Egypt. Moses was called of God to go and deliver the people out of Israel. Moses shows up and says, Thus saith the Lord God. And he says, Let my people go. And he says all that stuff. And what does Pharaoh say? What was his first? He says, The people are idle. He says, The people are idle. They 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 are thinking about freedom. They are thinking about things that they should not be thinking about. So he increases their load. Remember that? He said, Now you're going to have to do this. Now you're going to have to work harder because Moses is trying to bring your freedom. And look at Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. Notice the response of Moses. Exodus 5.22 And Moses returned unto the Lord. You gotta understand that Moses just entered the ministry. Moses is doing what God has called him to do. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, now you, you, sometimes it's easy for us to just skip these verses, but you gotta understand this is a man speaking. And he said, Lord, notice what he says, Wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? He says, God, why did you even send me here? God, why did you even call me to do this? Look at verse 23. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to his people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Does it sound like Moses is doubting a little bit? He says, God, why am I even here? God, why did you call me to do this? Go, go to Numbers. You're there in Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter number 11. Moses gets to the point where he's so discouraged, he even asks God to kill him. The guy gets suicidal because of the church people he's leading. I know the feelings. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Numbers chapter 11, look at verse 14. Numbers 11, 14. I am not, look what he says, I am not able to bear all these people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. I pray thee, out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my righteousness. He says, look, he said, I can't deal with this, God. God, I, I, it's too hard, I can't do it. He said, can you, just, can you just show me some grace and kill me? Go to 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. Look, Moses was one of the greatest men who ever walked this earth. Moses was one of the godliest men that God ever used. 
And Moses said, God, why did you call me to do this? God, why don't you just kill me? God, this is too hard. I, I'm just trying to explain to you that from time to time, you will get discouraged. From time to time, you will begin to doubt. From time to time, you may be the one that says, hey, the Lamb of God will take away the sin of the world. And a few years later, find yourself in prison asking the question, I wonder if Jesus is really the one that I should be following. 1 Kings chapter 19, look at verse 4. This is Elijah, the great prophet Elijah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he, notice, you got to understand the context. Elijah just called down fire from heaven. Elijah just killed 400 prophets of Baal. Elijah just had one of the greatest victories in his life. And because a loudmouthed woman says, I'm going to kill you, Elijah, he gets discouraged. And in verse 4, it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Go to Jonah chapter number 4. Jonah chapter 4, towards the end of the, New Te- of the Old Testament. Jonah chapter 4. We like to make fun of Jonah, but you know, Jonah had one of the greatest revivals reported in, in the Bible. Jonah walked into a, 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 the country of Nineveh, and everyone got saved. And everyone got right. And everyone did what they were supposed to do. I mean, and, and, and what happens after this great revival that Jonah leads? Jonah chapter 4, verse 4, 3. Jonah chapter 4, verse 3. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, as you read through the Bible, you'll find that people get discouraged. People get depressed. People begin to doubt God. Matthew chapter 11, if you can get back there. And if you haven't been there, you will be there. There will come a time when you will doubt There will come a time when you will ask, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Even in our short ministry here in Sacramento, there's been times when I get in the vehicle and just kind of look at my wife and say, what what are we doing? I try not to make those public. I try not to let you know about it, but there are times when you're going to doubt. Greater people than you have doubted. Jonah doubted. Elijah doubted. Moses doubted. John the Baptist doubted. I mean, these are people that knew God in a way that you and I could only wish, could only dream that we would one day. And if they went through discouragement and they doubted and they got upset and they got depressed and they said, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? God, why don't you just kill me? Is, this, is, is Jesus even really the one that I'm supposed to be following? If they would ask those questions, why don't you think you and I would? But here's the interesting part. If you get back to Matthew chapter 11. The response of Jesus Christ is not to rebuke John. He doesn't say, John, you worthless, no good for nothing. He's very compassionate. Notice how we, what he says, Matthew chapter number 11. If you look at verse 4. There, there's two responses that we get from Jesus. The first one is this. Christ reminds John about who he, Jesus, is. And verse 4, he says, Jesus answered and said unto them, notice what he says. Here's his response. Because John just doubted. John just said, are you really the one? Do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said unto them, notice, go and show John a new thing. Is that what he said? Go and show John. 
something he did not know. Give him a new revelation. Is that what it says? No. It says, go and show John again. He says, look, John already knows who I am. John already knows where he should stand. John already knows what he should believe. And just go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. He says, look, John already knows that I am who I said I am. John already knows that I am the Lamb of God. Just go back and remind him and show him again. And by the way, that's what you and I need for that. It's just to remind us one more time that Jesus is who He said He is. That the Word of God is what it says it is. And that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Go to Philippians chapter number 3. Let me show you this in, in, through the life of Paul. Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. If you look at verse number 1. Philippians chapter number 3. See, this is why you need church, this is why you need a a, a spiritual family, this is why you need... Because from time to time, you don't need a new revelation, you don't need a new doctrine, you don't need something new, something interesting. Sometimes you just need to be reminded again, what you already know. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 1, the Apostle Paul said this, Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now notice what Paul says, he says, to write the same thing. You see that? To write the same thing to you. To me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Paul says, look, to remind you from time to time the things that you already know. The things that you've already learned. The fact that God is who He says He is. That Jesus is who He says. The fact that salvation is by grace through faith. The fact that we are, the King James Bible is the Word of God. The fact that you are supposed to be living your life the way. To remind you of these things. He, he says, for me it's not grievous, but for you it is safe. Why? Because from time to time, you need to just go and show John again. The things that he already knows. Christ reminds John about two things. He reminds him about who he, Jesus, is. But if you go back to Matthew chapter 11, I like you to look at verse number 7. Christ also reminds John about who he, John, is. Christ says, look John, remember who I am. But then he says, John, also remember this. Who you are. Now notice what he says. And this is, you gotta, you gotta, sometimes you gotta just slow down and, and really put yourself into the story, Okay. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 7. And as they departed. Okay. Two disciples come to Jesus. They say, John has a question. He wants to know, are you really the Messiah? Are you the one that we look for? Do we look for another? Are you who you say you are? Jesus says, just remind them who I am. Go and show John again those things which you do here. He said, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached. He said, just remind him again. But then notice this in verse 7. And as they departed. Now, you got to understand this. Nothing is in the Bible by coincidence. Everything in the Bible is in there for a reason. The Bible says, and as they departed. So the guys go, okay, that's what you want us to tell John. We'll go tell him. They begin to walk away. And the Bible specifically tells us, as they departed, as they were walking away, Jesus began to say, okay, so here's what you got to understand. These guys begin to walk away. And Jesus begins to talk to the multitude. And you got to understand this. These guys can hear what Jesus is saying as they're walking away. You understand that? And as they departed... Jesus began to say, that is in scripture for a reason. The Bible wants us to know that Jesus began to say this as these guys began to walk away. What does he begin to say? Notice, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John. He begins to talk about John 
And the disciples of John are walking away who just started. And now you, you, you know, if it was me, it'd be like, let me tell you something about John. Night, night. He needs to get his heart right just because he's in prison. Doesn't he know that I'm going to... That's what I would say. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, as the disciples are walking away, what way he out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? He said, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that, are, that wear soft clothing are in king's house. Now, he's telling us what John is not. He says, you, he's like, let me tell you what you didn't go out to see. You did not go out to see a reed shaken in the wind. He said, let me tell you what John was not. John was not weak. John was not this reed that was just shaken in the wind. That whenever trials and tribulations came, he just kind of flapped around and never had any any any, any boldness to him. He said, that's not who John was. This is what Jesus is saying as the disciples of John are walking away. He said, well, what were you out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? He said, a man clothed in soft raiment? He said, did you go out to see some guy dressed all nice and pampered? No, he said, John was a tough guy. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Look at verse 9. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea. Now notice, this is Jesus talking about John. He says, did you go out to see a prophet? No. He says, you did not go out to see a prophet. He says, yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. He says, you went out to see something more than just a prophet. Why? Verse 10. For this is he. The disciples of John are hearing this. As they're walking away, they're saying, hey, this guy's talking about John. What's he saying? What, what do he say? For this is he, of whom it is written, Behold, I sent my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. What does Jesus remind John about? He reminds John about the purpose to John's life. See, John was prophesied about. The Old Testament prophesied to us about a man that would come before Christ and prepare the way for the Savior. And Jesus is teaching us here, and he's saying, look, John, remember who I am. I am who I said I am. But also remember who you are. That God has a purpose for your life. And that God brought you, and God put you here to be my messenger, and now you're in prison, but that's okay, because that's what God has called you to do. You're in prison for the ministry that God brought you, and you've got to understand this. Go to, if you go with me to Jeremiah chapter number 1. Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Chapter number 1. He said, Pastor, what does this have to do with us? Here's what it has to do with us. You are going to doubt from time to time. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get depressed. You're going to, you're, you're going to think, why am I doing this? Why am I even trying? Why don't I just quit? And some of you may get to the point where you say, God, why don't you just take my life? I, I, I'm worth more dead than alive. And Jesus says, number one, remember who John is, who Jesus is. But he says, number two, John, remember who you are. Remember the fact that you have a purpose. And you guys understand this. John had a purpose. But do you know this? That God has a purpose for you. Jeremiah chapter 1, look at verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible says in Jeremiah 1, 5. This is about Jeremiah, but this is about every one of us. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. By the way, this is a great verse to counteract abortions. God says, look, before I even formed thee in the belly, I knew who you were. But before thou camest forth out of the womb, before you were ever born, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. He, he's telling Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I had a purpose for you. Jesus, remind me, John, John, before 
doubt and you will say, why am I even doing this? Why don't I just quit? Why don't I just go away? No one will even notice. But I'm here to tell you, God will notice because God has a plan for you. Go to Jeremiah 29, look at verse 11. Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11. Jeremiah 29 11 says this. This is God speaking. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Just don't, don't forget this. To give you an expected end. God says, when I formed you in the belly, I knew you and I had a plan for you and I know where I want you to end up. So John stopped out. I know you're sad. I know you're lonely. I know you're discouraged. I know you're in prison. But stop doubting. Because I am who I said I am. And you are who I've called you to be. And I have an expected end for you. Now, you say, you know, that's all good, Pastor Mez, but what's the application? Here's the application. Go back to Matthew chapter 11. Look at verse 6. With all that in mind, you're going to doubt, you're going to be discouraged, you're going to get depressed. With all that in mind, Jesus is who He said He is. You are who God has called you to be. With all that in mind, you say, what do I do with all that? Here's what you do with it. The last thing that Jesus told the disciples to tell John was this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. This is a message that's supposed to go back to John. And blessed is he, John, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now the word offend, we, we think of the word offend, and that's what I do to you every week, you know. Every time I come here, Pastor Mike, he offends me, okay? But that's not the word offend in the Bible. The word offend in the Bible means this. It means to get tripped up. That's what the word offend means. And, and here's what Jesus is telling John. He's saying, John, if you got a doubt, go ahead and doubt. But don't get tripped up, John. He said, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Do you see that? Here's what he's saying. If you're going to doubt, doubt, but don't quit, John. If you're going to get sad, get sad, but don't quit. If you need to throw a pity party, throw the pity party, but don't quit. If you got to sit there and mope around and ask God to kill you, do what you got to do, but don't quit, John, because blessed is he who's not offended in me. Look at verse number 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Can you believe that Jesus would say that about John at this time in his life? Hey, aren't you glad that God does not measure your life based on your lowest points, but he kind of sees your average? Some of you, you know, you, 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 there, there are times when you're doing really good, and there's times when you're doing really bad, but you know, we ought to strive to just have a good average in life. Or we're just kind of consistent. Because Jesus understood that this is a low point for John. This is not who John is. He's not a reed shaken in the wind. He's not a man in soft raiment. Right now he's low and right now he's sad and that's okay. But Jesus says about John, he says, he says, there is not among them that are born of women that have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Than, than he. You can be as great as John. I can be as great as John. 2 Timothy chapter 4 is the last verse we'll look at what we've done for tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Pastor, what's the point? Here's the point. If you're going to doubt, doubt, but don't quit. If you're going to get sad, get sad, but don't quit. If you need to throw a pretty party, throw a pretty party. You've got to call somebody, call somebody, do what you got to do, but don't quit. Don't get offended. Our goal in life ought to be this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. 
The Apostle Paul is getting ready to finish his life, and here's what he says. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7, I have fought a good fight. Here's what all of us should have as our goal in life. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That ought to be our goal. He said, but along the ways I get sad, Pastor. Along the ways I get discouraged. You're saying, people leave me down, and people do this, and people do that, and they talk about me, and they argue with me, and they fight, and I get so sad. I get low. I, I know, I get it. It happens to me too. I get it. And you get discouraged. I know we all do. Moses did. Elijah did. John the Baptist did. I mean, if these men got sad, you are too. Can't doubt no. Don't quit. Stay with it. Finish the course. Get it done. Just realize that there is a life's purpose for you. I don't know what that is. I know for me it is pastoring Verity Baptist Church. For you it may be being the husband that God has called you to be, or the mother, or the wife, or the father, or whatever God has called you to do. There's something that God has for you from before you were born. God has something for you. Finish the course. If you're going to doubt, doubt, don't quit. That's God has never worked for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for Wednesday night Bible study. We're just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 10 last week. We're in Matthew chapter 11 this week. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to not quit. I know we go through hard times. I know we go through times that seem hard. And we doubt. And we wonder, am I even doing what I should be doing with my life? Help us not to quit. Help us not to be offended. Help us not to get tripped up. We love you, Father, in your precious name. I pray. Amen.